Before we start, okay, so I've been here just a couple times, but never in this room uh, for Ivy. So can we, I mean, we were Millington 150 people, so uh, we got to acknowledge the, the amazing, right, the... You guys got it, got it made right now, just wanna, <laughs> just wanna tell you that. Um, also, quick shout out to um, some friends at BCM who are visiting with us. It's great to have you all here. Um, how many of you know that you know, we're all one body, and so nothing really, there's so many things that excite me, honestly, I'll be honest, I'm Hispanic, lots of things get me excited. Um, but really understanding that we're all one body in Christ, I love that so much. I was a religious studies major, my husband is much smarter than I. You guys didn't have a Hispanic lounge. Yeah, I'm a little Hispanic. offended. So. Okay, so I didn't see it up there. I was I like, see it up there. Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she almost left. You're having another one today. I'm, yeah, I was like, wow, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, my husband was a philosophy major uh, here at William and Mary. And really in talking about relationships, we're both gonna talk, why do you feel like you're really far away, babe? Let's do this number right here. Um, but really, in talking about relationships, before we talk about ourselves or our story, maybe you care, maybe you don't care at all. But I think it's really important to understand that biblically, there's no clear this is exactly what you do to have, um, you know, when you date. This is what you need to do. I don't know about you, but I was, um, when I was in high school, we were told to read this book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Has anyone ever heard of that? Okay, well, good. Um, I'm just kidding. But it was, I kissed dating goodbye. And I think the concept behind it was, was really good. But then we were told it was like Bible. Like, this is how you do it. You don't date. And this is what, um, what courtship looks like. So it's important to understand that there are principles that the Bible talks about that are broad and reaching. That God does want to um, set us up for success in relationships with one another, both um, with friends, with family, but also in marriage. And so the Lord really does care about that. Um, but can I tell you, I don't want a, a marriage like Abraham had, okay? Abram gave his wife over to someone else twice because he was scared and said, hey, this is my sister, two times. Gave her away to someone else, literally to be slept with. So there are people in the Bible that are even men of faith in the Old Testament that are not great biblical examples of maybe a healthy relationship. And you're like, man, David had hundreds of wives. And, you know, in the book of Hosea, he was told to marry a prostitute. And you're like, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, understanding the Old uh, Testament narrative and the New Testament narrative, a lot of things change with the coming of Jesus. And um, anyway, I guess we can kind of touch on that a little bit later. But babe, do you want to say anything? No, you're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think we wanted to start just give you guys a little bit of our, our background, um, tell you just briefly about us, and um, and then we'll share our story of how we got together because it was um, unique and um, unorthodox, and so or at least so we've been told. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I went to William & Mary, I was a philosophy major, and um, I now do something that has absolutely nothing to do with it. Surprise, surprise. And uh, so I'm actually the creative director here at William & Mary, so I uh, manage a team in communications, we do all the web design for the school and uh, do uh, marketing communications, that kind of thing. I also own a marketing company, we have offices uh, down in Colonial Williamsburg, uh, up above the cheese shop, so if you want to stop by and say hi, you're welcome to do that. Um, 
But, uh, but yeah, so we, we graduated a while ago, and, um, but we've got three kids. So we've got a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Um, and yeah, so we love Williamsburg. Do you want to tell a little about yourself? Okay, so I, I was that girl. Everyone has a different story, right, growing She's up? She's Hispanic. I'm, I'm say, if you didn't know that, half Colombian, half Puerto Rican, if you care. Um, and so everyone has a different background. And whether or not you realize that you're going to come into dating and relationships and your views on marriage are indirectly or directly skewed by that. You may not even realize it. Whether your parents are divorced, whether you never had a father, whether they were together, but then they just didn't like each other and they were just friends, so you don't know what it looks like for, you know, for people to actually enjoy and have a joyful marriage, all of those things weigh on you coming into dating and relationships. And so my parents were together growing up and I grew up in a in a believing home in a Christian home. And for me, the biggest priority that my parents instilled in me was the importance of developing a relationship with Jesus that was independent of anyone else. Um, that was independent of like having a boyfriend that I didn't need to find my needs somewhere else. And my dad always told me, like, if you've, get, if you've got this right, those other things will fall into play. And maybe you didn't have someone to tell you that. Well, I'm going to be the one to tell you that tonight. Maybe no one told you, hey, listen, you're worth waiting for. Or if you can invest your, into your relationship with Jesus, those things will come around. You don't have to go searching. You don't have to go filling. Maybe someone never told you that. I did have the blessing of, of having a father to tell me that. Um, and I got to a point that um, I was that girl who was like, no, I don't need a boyfriend. I'm like so good on my own. So middle school, high school, never had a boyfriend. Um, but lo and behold, got married at 20, y'all. Who's 20 up in the house? Anybody 20 in here? Yes, I was buried at your age. Let it sink in. We got married at 20, baby, were you 21 or 22? He's a little older. <laughs> just a little bit older. And, um, but I, I really didn't see it coming. I was um, a freshman in high school when we met. He came and moved here. She didn't see me coming. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I missed you, right? Um, but anyway, so he came to visit, and I met this guy, and I immediately assumed, oh, he's so cocky. He's like, he thinks he's so cool. So then I immediately wrote him off, and um, we just became friends, and you know, that kind of changed uh, rather quickly. You're better at telling this story than I am. Do you want to do that sure. really quickly so sure. we can get to the... So, yeah, so I, I was at a point in my life, um, so Angie had never dated anybody before um, when we met, and um, I had, and so you know, when we met, we were both kind of coming from different backgrounds that way. Um, and different expectations. And because every relationship that you're in, if you date somebody or if you dated somebody before, it shapes uh, your expectations for the future. And uh, to think that it doesn't is to go into things blindly. And so it's good to understand that your expectations for the future get, dated, get affected by things in the past. And so anyways, I was at this place, and uh, but I was at a, at a place where I was not really uh, serious about my relationship with God. And I was 19 years old and uh, really needed some time in my life where I was just kind of focusing on that. Not in any kind of a weird, super spiritual way, but honestly, I just, my life was kind of a wreck. I was an emotional wreck. 
Um, I didn't have a lot of direction for my life, and so I needed to uh, really focus on that and really spend some time um, getting to know God, because even though I'd grown up in a Christian home, I realized I didn't really know him. And, um, and so that was kind of where I was at in the place when we met, but Angie wasn't there. And um, so the day I met her, uh, I was attracted to her. And so, uh, you know, I had to kind of like at that point say like, all right, am I going to pursue this? Am I going to try to, you know, follow up with her and uh, get to know her, you know, kind of in that frame? Or am I going to just like let a friendship play out and be okay with that? Uh, which is really hard to do, by the way, when you're attracted to someone and you're like, I'm going to tell myself, let's just be friends. I'm not even telling this person. I'm telling myself that. That's, that's really hard to do. Uh, but it's a choice that I made, and I made that choice for a year and a half where, uh, you know, I just kind of realized, I was like, I'm not in a good place myself. And I'll talk about this in a minute. Um, but I think being able to talk to other people around me, too, and know that I wasn't really in a healthy place emotionally where I was ready for a relationship um, was, was good for me to know and to understand and to be okay with for a little while. And so, um, you know, Angie went away wanting to marry, and I was still living in Virginia Beach at the time, and uh, she, was, she was a freshman because I had worked for several years after high school before starting college. And so she, even though she's younger than me, she started college before I did. And so she was up here as, as a freshman, and, you know, we had been friends for about a year and a half, um, but then, you know, I had this point in my kind of, you know, just my life where I was like so infatuated with her and so like I've got to like move on this now like my window is this big <laughs> and it's like you know if, if I don't do it now like, I'm going to be miserable until I die someday and so I got to like move on this now and um, like I said I was emotional back then and, uh, <laughs> uh, and so you know I, I really wanted to, to talk to her so I talked to my, old, my older brother who's a lot older than me seven years older than me he was my youth pastor at the time and I talked to him and I'm like uh, yeah he was uh, and I, I talked to him, and he and I went out, and I was, I was literally, like, you know, just so emotional, like, talking to him over dinner and saying, uh, you know, I, I just, I really need to have a conversation with her. I got to tell her I like her. I got to find out if she, you know, likes me back. I got to find out where she's at with things. And, um, and, and I'm sitting there just talking so much and talking so much, and, and, and I find myself saying, like, like I've, been, I've been around this girl for a year and a half now, and I, I, I love her. Like, I got I to gotta go talk with her I gotta see and so my brother stops me and he's like look like just chill out and he's like you say you love her but do you like her and that's always stuck with me because I'm like of course I like her. if I love her obviously I like her um, but it's not so obvious because the point that he was trying to make was you don't really know her well enough yet to know if uh, what you have here is more than just infatuation is more than just uh, some kind of flash in the pan in the bigger picture of your life. And that's really hard for a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old to wrap their mind around because all you've known is 20, 21 years. Um, but really, like, a year of your life, the older you get, the shorter it seems because it's a smaller and smaller percentage of the years you've lived, every year that you live. And so it, it's like, does time get shorter? Does time start to fly? Does things go by faster? Yeah, they actually do uh, when you talk about it in that context. And so, you know, it's like, a year when you're 70 years old doesn't seem all that much much time. And so it's really important to navigate that stuff, right? And so I decided, I was like, all right, well, I'm at least going to like really decide to get to know her a whole lot better. And so we started this process of about six months of um, very intense emailing. Emailing, guys. Emailing. Yeah. yeah. 
So we didn't we didn't have Snapchat. Y'all let that sink in. We didn't have we didn't have Snapchat to lean on, you know, for our relationship building. So we, uh, which you shouldn't anyways nowadays. Uh, but so no, like like we we jumped in we jumped into email. These people are old. And I think like my first my first email to her was like, "What are your dreams for your life?" No, but literally, that was the first email to me. Really, really he was like, "Go deeper, go home." Yeah, go deeper, go home. And I wanted to know. I was like, like, hey, tell me about yourself. Like, I want to find out who this girl is. I'm like, I'm not wasting any time. You know? So like, let's find out right now. Is this going to work? So I wanted to ask her this stuff. And we started this six-month period where, um, what, looking back, what I realized is like we weren't dating, but we were basically dating. Like that, that was kind of the closeness and the, the emotional intimacy that we were developing between us. Um, so fast forward to June um, that year, and uh, I – decide, I'm like, all right, it's time, you know, I was like, I checked in with my brother, not because I had to, not because he's the Pope, not because, like, you know, he runs my life, but just because I'm like, I trust him, he's my pastor, so I wanted to check in with him and just hear what he had to say, and he's like, hey, I think, like, you're in a little more peaceful place now, like, you're probably, you know, I would encourage you to go talk to her, and so she was going to a movie with her friends, and uh, I called her up, and I was like, hey, uh, what are you doing right now? She said, I'm going to a movie. And I said, all right, well, which, which theater is it at? And so she tells me, and I said, I'm going to meet you there because i got to tell you something. <laughs> and so um, I'm like, all I need is like five minutes of your time. <laughs> five minutes. And so we get there to the movie theater, and she's getting tickets with her friends. And uh, so I, I roll up there, and uh, we're down at, at Lynn Haven Theater in Virginia Beach. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you a landmark in a minute that next time you go there, you'll see it and you'll think of this. Um, but so, so we start walking around and, and we're talking and she's like, hey, like, what was so important? We need to come talk to you about and I'm And so we're just walking along, walking by the movie theater. And I'm like, hey, what, uh, what, when you think about your future, like, what, what do you see? This is actually uh, what he said. And, and she's like. I got a movie ticket and I got my friends waiting for me. <laughs> and I was like, but, but, you know, just, just tell me, like, what do you see? Just, and she's like, all right, I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, like, college? And I guess I'm, you know, I, I'm only a freshman right now, I'm going my sophomore year. I, I, what, what do you see? And so I just kind of fumbled my way through it. And then finally, like, I said, like, well, I see you in my future. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's what you would have said too, you know. And and so I, you know, I, I told her that, and she kind of looked at me, and 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 we're just walking, and um, and then we walk around the corner, and there's a white staircase at Lynn Haven Theater, so look for the white staircase next time. And um, and we're standing there, and I and I said, you know, so what I'm saying is like, yeah, I like you, I'm attracted to you, and I I want to be in a relationship with you, and. I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> what he said was, I've liked you for two years. Yeah, I did say that. And, that um, but I realized that I needed to get to know you more, and I'm getting to the point that I just need to know if you like me back. Yeah, and she did. And she was like, yeah. And she was so excited. Uh, falling all over herself. And, um, I'm, no, she wasn't. She was, she was very mild and composed, and she, was, she said yes, that she did. And so, anyways, we established... Wait, tell them what you did right after that. Yeah, and so it took like two hours. She missed the whole movie, and her friends came out. But no, and you, then, when you walked into the theater, you I, walked into the bathroom, and you yelled, yes, really loud. I remember that part. Oh, he didn't think I could hear it. I could hear it from the outside. He left, he's like, um, excuse me, I need to use the restroom. Yeah. I, I legit don't remember that. Okay. 
I probably so that did. That was it, a big part of it for me. So, but then two <laughs> weeks, two so two weeks go by. We're talking on the phone. We know we like each other, and we're on the phone together. And um, and finally, like, she's getting a little frustrated, and so she's like, "Hey, can we meet at this park near my house?" So we go to this park near our house, and we get there, and she's like, "Look, like." We had this conversation, we established we like each other, like, where is this going? Like, what are, what are your intentions? Like, what, you know, I, I'm not the type of, type of person who's just like, I'm just cool, like, hey, we know we like each other, and now we're like walking around town together and just hanging out, and we're just gonna see where this goes. Like, I'm not about that life. Like, tell me, what, what are we doing? Like, tell, tell me where we're going. And what are your intentions? And so I looked at her and I was like, well, I wanna marry you. And, yeah, yeah, I went there so fast. <laughs> And she, no, this is what she said. She said, well, I want to marry you too. And so I said, well, then we better start, I said, we better start dating then. Because we weren't officially in a relationship. And um, I told you it was unorthodox. I don't necessarily recommend this. And, and so uh, we started dating that day, and then we got engaged four months later in the Sunken Garden. You know, uh, we have a tree actually at William & Mary along yeah. the Sunken Garden. It says Angie, or Justin loves Angie, or Justin Hart Angie. This place is peppered with Go find with it, go romance. find it. Yeah. It's on campus. So no, I, I like had these lights on a banner and I strung them between two trees at night so you couldn't see it and like she was up on the steps and it said, will you marry me? Like out like over the sun garden lights. It was, it was really sweet. Um, and anyways, and then, and then we got married eight months after that and we've been married for 13 and a half years now, so. Uh, but, you know, the point was, is, is I don't feel like we dated for four months. I feel like we dated for, like, closer to a year because of how emotionally intimate we were prior to that. And so it was, um, even though there wasn't the label on it, uh, the function was there and the action was certainly there. And so, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, we could talk so much about, you know, this and relationships, but, I, you know, I wanted to, we wanted to share with you guys tonight that, uh, a marriage is, it's kind of our opinion, um, and again, this is not the Bible, so please don't confuse this with the Word of God. This is our opinion based on, you know, our relationship, based on observing healthy and unhealthy marriages and relationships around us. Is, uh, we don't really know why people date if you know for sure that you could never marry that person. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you date them then? Because you know for sure that ain't going anywhere. You know, I'm not saying you have to know that's the person you're gonna spend the rest of your life with if you're gonna be in a dating relationship. But if you know they're not, like end that thing now, end it tonight. Like what are you doing? You're just wasting someone else's heart along, you're pulling your own heart along, and you're probably gonna do some things you regret later in life. And so, um, you know, there's, our thought was, is it's like marriage is, is the most influential relationship that you can ever have in your life. Um, you don't have to get married. Getting married is not the be all end all. It's not for everybody. Some people live life unmarried and they're totally happy and they live life that way and it's fine. But for those of you who want to get married, that's great. And it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to desire. But it's so important that you choose the right person and that you choose the right kind of person. Uh, It is the most influential relationship you will ever have in your life. That's why people who are married, they have the capacity to benefit the people around them the most but they also have the capacity to hurt people that are close to them the most because it's an extremely influential relationship. And so marriage done well is an incredible blessing and marriage done poorly can be bring incredible hurt to people. Um, my parents were married 40 years. My dad was a pastor and then they split up just a few years ago. 
and it's brought just incredible trauma to my family and to their church and the people around them. Um, and so, you know, but a marriage done well can just be incredibly life-giving to people. And, you know, something we want to share before uh, we kind of open it up for questions is four principles that can just help you sort of identify um, who is uh, a, a good type of person. Who, 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 is, who is somebody who is qualified to be your spouse? Because you are worthy of a good spouse. Every person in this room is worthy of making that choice and making that choice well. And if you're like, you know, can I be like judgy and picky with my spouse choice? Like, absolutely. If you're going to be judgy and picky about anything, it should be that in your life. Like, you know, don't just go jumping into something because you feel bad sort of like being picky about somebody. Like, you should be picky about who you're going to marry. Um, and so I have an acronym, um, and it's uh, LOCK. So if you want to know if you should make it a LOCK, <laughs> uh, follow, you can follow this acronym. I want to come up with a ring, but like it just wasn't working. So, uh, so lock, you know, put a LOCK on it instead of a ring. Uh, yeah. So these, these, are our four, these are four principles that we have found help people to identify somebody that uh, is is a person that's healthy to be in a dating relationship with, and is somebody who has the potential to be a good future spouse for you. Um, and so L, I want to start with, is just for, do you like them? Do you like them? So I'm going to tell you a really funny story. So uh, Angie has two friends that she went to church with growing up. Uh, it was this girl and this guy. And the guy came up to this girl one Sunday after church and came up to her and said, you know what? I really feel like God is telling me that we need to be in a relationship. This happens, though, for real. Yeah. If that ever happens, you need to run the other way. Or if yeah. someone says, I had a dream that we got married. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's never happened to you. Blow, blow them up twice. on social media if they do that to you. I'm sorry, that dream was not from God. So he said, I, I really, I feel like God is telling me that we should be together. And do and you know how, how, I, how I know that it's God? Because I'm not even attracted to you. Like, you've got acne, and, you know, like, like I, I'm not really even attracted to you. And this girl was like, oh, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and, and really hurt and disillusioned by that, you know. But, like, this, this, this kid had bought into this lie that, like, what God wanted him to do in terms of being in a relationship for the rest of his life was something that was different from what he would naturally enjoy in his makeup and in the person that God had already made him to be. He had bonded aside that what it meant to serve God was to suffer, you know? And, and maybe, like, you wouldn't put it in that words, but like, yeah, like, obviously God loves me, but a lot of us think that way. It's like, well, if it's difficult, that, much, that must mean that it's God. Or if it's hard, or if it's painful, that must mean it's God. And sometimes God can be in difficult things, painful things, but guess what? He wants you to like who you're married to. <laughs> And he wants you to love that person. And so uh, it's important to, to find someone that you're attracted to. And when I say attracted, I'm not just talking about physical attraction. If that's part of what attracts you to somebody else romantically, that's great. If physical attraction is part of that. But it can't be just that. It really can't be. Uh, because guess what? You're young for a time. And, you know, I'm only this good looking for a certain amount of time. But, so, uh, you know. And, and, no, but in all, in all seriousness, like, beauty fades. And physical attraction fades. And, uh, and what's, what's going to happen if your entire relationship is built on physical attraction? Uh, like, that's, that's no good. You're, you're building a temporary relationship if that's what your relationship is built on. 
So it's fine for that to be part of the picture, but it can't be the whole picture. So do you like the person? Are you attracted to their personality? You enjoy being around them? Um, if, some, if you're like drawn to somebody, but you're actually like kind of annoyed by them the more you spend time with them, probably not the person for you, okay? Find someone that you like, because God's got someone that you like. Uh, the second thing is O, is what do others think? And this is the one that I find, and I think probably if I would speak for both of us, that uh, people miss the most. Um, what do others think of the person that you're thinking about being with? What's their reputation? Ask people who you admire and who you trust for their honest opinion of the person that you're considering being in a relationship with and get ready for an honest answer and be willing to have your feelings hurt. Because guess what? The Bible says that a man's reputation is better than silver and gold. And so what other people think of somebody is really telling. And so it's, it's so important for you to ask people around you. So when I wanted to marry Angie, I asked my dad, I asked my mom, I asked the senior pastor of my church, I asked my youth pastor, and I asked my three best friends. And I asked all of them, I was like, what do you think of her? And they were all like, dude, she's amazing. You better lock this in before she leaves you for somebody else. And so I decided to put a lock on it. Um, you know, but no, seriously, what do others think? And be ready for that. That's so important. And, and when you're when you are infatuated or you're in romance, you are often blind to the things about somebody else that you will eventually become clued into when the romance rubs off a little bit. And so ask other people who aren't romantically involved to see those things for you and to be your eyes. So the C is their character. Know someone long enough to see what they're like on their worst days, not just on their best days. Know someone long enough to see what they're like on their worst days, not just on their best days. What is their character? Like, how do they treat people? What happens when they're stressed out? What happens when they've got something difficult happen in their life? What happens when somebody betrays them? Are they somebody who takes revenge on other people that exchanges tit for tat? Or are they somebody that can love people through hurt, through offense? What happens, here's a, here's a great question. If you want to be able to predict the future for somebody's commitment level, look at this. How committed are they in other areas of their life? How committed are they to church? How committed are they to jobs that they have? How committed are they to a course of action in their schoolwork? How committed are they to their friendships? How committed are they to their family members? And if you're with somebody who it's like, they seem like an awesome person, they're so fun, I like them. They seem like they know God. They, they, they're, other, other people around me uh, you know, seem to really like them. But that person has commitment problems in areas of their life outside of romance. Those will probably spill over into your relationship someday. And so one of the greatest predictors of somebody's future commitment level is how committed and how much that person stays the course with things that have nothing at all to do with romance, but have to do with staying the course anyways, just having a good work ethic. Because there's going to be times in a marriage when you got to stick it out, even if you don't actually, you know, actually feel like it. And so what do you, what's, what's that person going to do when those opportunities arise? And then the final thing, the K, is do they know God? And I didn't put another C here, not just because that doesn't spell lock, <laughs> but because in my opinion, it's not enough to be a Christian, to qualify for being a spouse. It's not enough. Because I've met, I don't know about you guys, no knock on, on these people, I've met a lot of Christians who wouldn't make a good spouse. You know, you, you can profess Christ, you can be a Christian, but it's not enough. Like, let me, let me tell you something. I don't know 
what I would do as a parent, as a husband, as a business owner, as a pastor in a church, if my wife and I both didn't share the same grid for decision-making. And that grid for decision-making every time for 13 years has been, what does God say about this? That's our first grid. If we don't hear God saying anything through scripture or through just praying and the Holy Spirit giving us impressions, we then ask ourselves, like, okay, what do we want to do? But that's always our first grid. If God's got something to say about the situation, that's what we go with. It doesn't matter. You know, like, if I've got an opportunity to be dishonest in my business as a business owner, like, I'm not sitting here being like, hey, is this the best thing for my business? It's not, it's, it's a non-negotiable, because the Bible says not to lie. It says unjust skills are an abomination to the Lord. So, like, that, that's my first grid. That's no good. We're not going there. But if that's not my grid because I don't really know God, because I'm not really following him, like, yeah, I might believe in Jesus, but do I really care about what God says about the direction of my life, about how I'm spending my time, about what I'm going towards, and my wife does, that's going to cause serious friction in our marriage relationship. And the Bible has instructions for marriages where one spouse is a Christian and the other isn't, but that's not the goal. The goal isn't to land in a relationship like that. The goal is to land in a relationship where you're both serving God, you're in step with each other, and you're able to pursue the life that he has for both of you that way. So do they know God? Do they listen for the Holy Spirit's voice? Are they familiar with their Bible? Are they committed to their relationship with Jesus? That's, that's a huge thing. And the one thing I just want to add is that you don't have to be, none of us are perfect, right? You don't have to be a perfect person in order to have an enjoyable, life-giving marriage. And so for Justin and I, yes, our story is unique, and no, you shouldn't necessarily go get married at 20 and tell the person, why, are you, you know, are you going to marry me or not? <laughs> it was unique. Um, but what is important is understanding that feelings for people are natural. Infatuation is natural. Being attracted to somebody is natural. You don't need to necessarily stuff that away. There are plenty of people that I was attracted to before I met Justin. But what happens, what do you do with that when you find someone that you kind of just hit it off with in a practical way? You meet someone at group, you meet someone at church, and you hit it off with them. And you're like, hey, they seem like a great person. What do I do here? You know, for me, it was like, okay, God, I just, I, I like, I'm attracted to them. I don't know if this is or isn't going to go anywhere. You don't need to feel like you're going to miss it. Take your time. There is nothing that needs to be rushed. And if you're like, oh my gosh, well, if I don't let them know, they're going to move on to someone else, then maybe it wasn't meant to be. And that's okay. Because God has something good for you. And if we, as men and women of God, don't live in this constant fear, like this is the best I'm going to get, there he goes, missed it. This is the best I'm going to get, there she goes. You're going to constantly live your life in a state of duress, of like, this is what I got to do, this is what I got to be. I have to market myself to be cuter and more Christian than this one or that one. And God doesn't operate like that. I want you to know that God is good enough. He's good enough that he's not going to let it pass you by if you're honoring him. And yes, you can be attracted to someone, and that's wonderful. And if they go and date somebody else, that's okay. Because I want you to know that there, God has somebody for you. If that's your heart, and if that's your goal. And if it's not, own your zone right now. Me and Jesus. You know, you and Jesus, baby, you can own that zone all day long. And biblically, I want you to know, I started on this. I just want to finish on this before we open it up for questions. You know, the biblical model in the New Testament, God compares a marriage to our relationship with Christ. If you think about the Old Testament, they didn't have that model because Christ had not yet come. 
and sacrifice once and for all and said, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. It wasn't that season. It was a season of like, let's do the sacrifice again. Let's do the sacrifice again. Let's do it again. And so it was kind of this ebb and this flow and this kind of fumbling through in relationships with God. And he compares them often to a prostitute like the nation of Israel, because there wasn't this understanding that God was all enveloping, all encompassing on your good days, on your bad days, I'm here now and forever. He was trying to establish that covenant in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he locks it in and he seals the deal when he sends Jesus, who said, listen, once and for all, when you are mine and we're in that covenant relationship, I am here to benefit you every day of your life. I am always a good, good father. I am always a good dad. I am always a good spouse. I am always good to you. And that was something there wasn't a framework for. So when we establish marriage in the New Testament, and we talk about the book of Ephesians, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid himself down for her. And wives, submit to your husband. This whole dynamic is not in an Old Testament light. It's in a New Testament light. So if there's a fear of like, oh my gosh, I gotta do everything he says, it's only in the context of someone who is constantly for you, constantly good, constantly serving, and the weight of that and the impetus on that is, is on the man. And so I just wanna let you know that, yes, it isn't do A, B, C, D to have a good marriage, but man, Christ sets the example in our relationship. And I would say for Justin and I, year after year, our goal is like, okay, how do we serve one another better? You can't outserve somebody. And when you do that, there's something that happens in the other person um, that it becomes, you know, love is creative. It creates things in other people. So I just wanted to add that hmm. a little bit. Anyway. Questions? Anybody have any questions? All righty. And Justin, you guys have entered the InterVarsity speed round. <laughs> <laughs> 30 seconds per question. Okay. Yeah. I didn't hear the background music. Do you have to... Somebody else can add that. I'm it. All right. Um, so the first thing is actually not a question to Zinger. Justin, you really missed a good opportunity with that banner. It should have said, will you um and marry me? Put <laughs> that it's always hard. That's the biggest lie that I think we've, we've heard. Um, we've heard from a lot of people like, that, hey, the first year of marriage is like, oh, man, brace yourself. It is so rough. Just, you see her without makeup? Oh, man. Get ready. <laughs> and she, she rolls over and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, it, um, it wasn't hard for us. Uh, it was amazing. It was awesome. Uh, it really was. And uh, it doesn't have to be hard. Um, I believe with all my heart that things that feel unnatural in action, if you will discipline yourself with the grace of God enabling you to make a habit of those things, they can become natural. I really do believe that. And so feeling like apologizing to my spouse is unnatural and just like takes everything in me. If I make a habit of it, it can become natural. Maybe your spouse loves being praised verbally 
and you're limiting with your praise. It's not natural for you. That, that wasn't natural for me. I grew up in a house. My dad was a Vietnam vet, came back from Vietnam, won some award out of a thousand troops, told his uncle, and his uncle's, the first thing he said was, why couldn't it have been out of 10,000? Like that was his first response to my dad about this award he'd gotten. And so that like tainted my dad, and my dad was somebody who was like very, very restrictive with his praise. And so I didn't hear a lot of praise from my dad growing up. He loved me, like don't, I mean like, I was this cruel tyrant of a father, but he just wasn't very verbally praising. Angie comes from a family where they're just like, like they say thank you a billion times for a gift. <laughs> like they say Merry Christmas to you 20 times when you walk in the door on the holidays. Like, that, you know, like they say sorry 50 times if they offended you, even if you already said it's okay. Like they're very lavishing and liberal with their verbal praise. And so I had to learn how to do that. And now it comes very naturally. I don't even think about it. And I tell her how much I admire her and what I think of her on a regular basis because it's just very natural now. And so I think it doesn't have to be hard. If you have people who are committed to um, discipline themselves in, in just things that love the other person practically, it can become just a really joyous relationship from the beginning. Yeah, I agree that marriage definitely does get a, a bad rap. Um, particularly if you've been around long enough to see marriages fall apart. And we've been married now long enough that even people, friends of ours, um, have at this point gotten divorced. And that's been very difficult. Long time ago. That's been very difficult to walk through. Um, it's not that, when he says marriage isn't hard, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't take work. It does take work. No, it definitely takes work. But it's the kind but of every work, relationship takes everything work. takes work. Every relationship takes work. And it's the kind of thing work. that if it's valuable to you, then the work is worth it. And listen, divorce doesn't just happen. Let's say, you know, even if divorce is something close to you and you found out about it in an instant, it didn't just happen. And so what happens is that there are little things that over time, when they are not dealt with, become big things. And big things become mountains. And mountains become these things that you cannot surpass and overcome. And so when it's been not just, so we've made a practice of if we hurt or offend one another, let's deal with it now. Even if it hurts my feelings, even if it makes me get upset, like don't go a couple, I mean even the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Really in marriage, that's a huge uh, like, thing. If she like, like hurts my feelings at a party we're at together, I'm like, we're talking about this now. Like we're leaving the party. Literally, like we'll go in the bathroom together. Be like, hey, you hurt my feelings. And okay, we'll talk but about really? It. No, seriously. No, but, but, okay, maybe not that, but actually he would, <laughs> no, he would actually come find me and tell me, hey, it hurt my feelings when I came home from work and you didn't even greet me and you didn't give me a hug and you didn't say hello because I'm, like, cooking dinner and I'm not, like, touchy, touchy, you know, I'm, like, very verbal, but he's more like he needs a hug and I'm like, hey, babe. <laughs> And so for him to let me know, like, hey, listen, I just need you to acknowledge that I'm here. Petty, right? Petty? Petty. Um, <laughs> but, but listen, I care about Justin enough to realize that's important to him. I could have been like, babe, deal with it. You know I love you. I love you. I love you. You know? But it's those little things that when you understand, it's petty to you, but it might be very significant and important to them. Um, so when you're able to do that, those little things. Next question. All right, next question. In as few words as possible. <laughs> I got you. How can we stop idolizing marriage and dating? I mean, 
as few words as possible is relative, right? <laughs> I won't answer. You go. No. Uh, I think just just knowing that. I think the best way to not idolize it is to know that it's not going to solve your problems. Like the only the to pain and a lack of peace and loneliness and disillusionment and whatever else we can often use human relationships to try to fill, the only sustainable answer to that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like there is no other sustainable answer to that. Um, like, yeah. Very cool. I could say more, but I'm trying to honor your <laughs> passive aggressive request. <laughs> So uh, the, the things that make for a successful marriage are not exclusive to marriage. They are magnified in marriage because of how close the relationship is. And I believe that the things that make for a good marriage also make for a good friendship. And I think the number one thing that makes for a successful marriage long-term is humility on the part of both people. And I believe that's also the number one thing that makes for successful friendships. Um, I've got a really close friendship with our lead pastor at our church, uh, Christoph. We've been friends for 15 years, and we have had every opportunity under the sun for that relationship to go sideways. Um, I won't go into all that, but like lots of life under the bridge, lots of stuff going on, lots of shifting seasons, but we've stayed committed to it. Um, and it's in large part because of humility, because of saying like, I don't have to fight for my rights in every single situation. I don't have to fight for my feelings to be validated, for my voice to be heard in every situation. There are many times when like, I'll just take it on the chin because it's him. Maybe I want to fight for it. Maybe I want to like, stand up for myself. I'll just take it on the chin because you know, the Bible says it's, a, it's to a man's glory to overlook offense. And so like, I'll, I'll you know, just overlook things sometimes and just be humble in the moment. And it does wonders for our friendship. And so I would say that any of you who you have no desire, no aspirations to get married, like, if you take just, if you spent the rest of your life just focusing on being a humble human being, you would have a very rich life. All right. So this is kind of a follow-up question. Should we just wait for God to present the person he wants us to date, or should we actually go looking for a relationship, and is that healthy? You start, because we have this conversation. Are you talking about online dating? That's what that's about, right? <laughs> Somebody's on, somebody's on kick or somebody's on something trying to... I read you. I read between the lines. Is it okay to date online was the question. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't buy into the idea that like God is waiting to give you your spouse until you stop, once you stop wanting it. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I've heard that before, which I think is a load. <laughs> I'm just like, why would God want to then give me something when I don't want it? Like, that doesn't sound right. Um, so it's, it's okay to want something. Um, it's okay to even be interested in meeting people. And I think even put yourself in environments 
where you know like the chances are pretty good I might meet somebody <laughs> at this event or over here. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think it's it's all about where you go from there. Like, do you just do you jump into a relationship with anybody just because you met them somewhere? Like, I think it's okay to be wanting romantic relationship and to be on the lookout for it. I think that's totally fine. Um, but I think once you find somebody you're interested in, like, follow the lock, you know, or follow some other acronym that makes sense for you and then, you know, spoke to you or something like that. So I think it's okay to be in that, in that state. Um, I don't think it's okay when people let that drive them and let other relationships suffer in your life because they're so uh, in such pursuit of that. So when we first got married, we were both young and both in school. And so honestly, just on a practical level, finances were a big thing for us when we first got married. And understanding... Um, we used to raid our son's piggy bank for gas money. No, we were legit poor, guys. I promise. That's, um, that's a true story. <laughs> we lived in the Ludwell apartments. Like, they have uh, had student ho married housing, a couple of apartments there. And we lived in a bunch of different places. But, so for me, understanding, hey, this is a decision that we made, and we are both in school, and I got pregnant six months after we got married. That wasn't in the plan. <laughs> she didn't give birth six months, she got pregnant no, yeah, six don't, months. No, yeah, exactly, do that. Um, right. And so, you know, on a, in a practical way, finances were a big thing. We weren't necessarily trained on this is how you do a budget and this is what you do. We've kind of, through the school of hard knocks, had to learn and fumble our way through that understanding. Neither of our parents taught us budget. finances right. at all. Like, at all. zip. Like, nothing. Like, not like, hey, be careful with credit cards. Not even that. <laughs> like, that would have taken two seconds, right? We didn't even get that. Yeah, so we had to learn a lot that way. And, um, and even just navigating, like communicating about ways that we feel loved was a really big thing. Um, and that's been difficult because we, there are, I, we, a great book is what the five love languages that's been around for forever. If you haven't read that, that might be a good place kind of to start in a practical way. People communicate and receive love in different ways. And so I, we realize we do that in different ways and would kind of hit some tension when I'm like, why don't you feel loved when, you know, I told you I loved you. <laughs> and you look at this dinner I made that you thought was gross. You remember that one time? That was a big argument. It, was, it wasn't very good. You know, anyway. <laughs> um, I did, I, yeah, it wasn't a great thing. Please forgive me, but it didn't change the dinner. Exactly. That's it. Uh, so those awkward moments that I felt um, kind of attacked because I thought, you know, both of us would feel attacked, feeling you didn't understand what I said. So communication is a big thing. And like he says, humility and being willing to learn and to be wrong sometimes goes a really long way. Thank you guys so much for talking with us tonight.